here we are. Welcome back to the Strange Heartland podcast. I'm Mike and I'm Jory. And um, we have a very interesting show that has been in the works for a little while. Jory's super excited to get into it. So what's going on, Jory? Well, today we are going to be covering the story of Selena. She's also widely known as the queen of Tejano music. So a lot of people love her. And if you don't love her, I'm pretty sure you just don't know anything about her because she is very popular in pop culture. Do you know who Selena Quintana is? Me? Yeah. 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 So, all righty. Do we want to catch up on anything or we just want to dive in? Just kind of been nose to the grindstone trying to get, you know, back into the swing of things and uh, developing some content for our Instagram and, and whatnot. And um, other than that, you know, just the the health stuff. Uh, everything's looking good. Um, my hair's coming back really, really nicely. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a little. It's a little <laughs> alarming that uh, the hair on my head is taking longer than the rest of the rest of me, and I'm getting a little worried about it. <laughs> but Why? I think I think I can. I think I could pull off a bald head look. You know. But we'll see. Who knows? There's a podcast for that now, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Inside joke. Yeah. Anyway, what's up with you? What's going on? Yes, I didn't think I think I think I think I. Oh, you're just glitched. It's weird. <laughs> Sleep tonight. Don't, 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 don't. I mean, oh my, my com- 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 if you start fucking with me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. I'm no, gonna- it's being weird. It's like super. <laughs> It's like, if you start fucking with me, 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 me. <laughs> That's not funny. Okay, cool. All right, we're good. I'll I'll play the I'll play it for you later so you can hear it. But oh, yeah, my God. Weird. I'm just going to hear like a demonic voice in the background. That's like, put the lime in the coconut. <laughs> put the lime in, in the, the coconut. coconut. <laughs> so what, what were you saying about your computer? Um, well, it needs to be updated. There's like some for some reason I have. I don't even have that much stuff on my computer. And it's saying I can't download whatever the new update. What is it here? It says it on the bottom of my screen. Mac SO Big Sur. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Big Sur. Mm. It won't. I can't, I don't know. I'll have to probably. You don't maybe. have enough room for it, huh? Yeah, which is weird because I don't really have a whole lot on my computer. So, but I don't. Mm. I was actually shitting my pants all week because. <laughs> <laughs> Literally or figuratively? <laughs> figuratively. Let me get some oh, context to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a really bad cold that I'm still getting over. And um, <clears throat> my voice was cracking a lot and was really squeaky. I didn't know if I was going to be able to record Friday. I was like, great. I'm going to have to push back again. Yeah, um, I was a little worried, too, because you had to take a couple of COVID tests, didn't you? Yeah. Luckily, they were negative, and uh, I'll be back to work tomorrow. But I don't know. There's some really bad, like, allergy cold, like, going around because it came out of nowhere. And, uh, oh, it's funny because I'm, like, all nervous about going to work tomorrow. My coworker was like, oh, my God, our supervisors are all hacking up a lung. And I'm like, yeah, because there's something going around. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's pretty much... All that's going on with me. I work all the time. I never see my friends or my family, except for you through a, a screen once a week. Yay, you see me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's that's about it. Um, but yeah, Selena, been super excited. 
and nervous to do this story because it's a big one. And uh, it's not a story that you take lightly because the Quintanillas take the legacy of Selena very, very soon. But yeah, actually, let's see. I started getting back into the research of this. I've always been a Selena fan. But when the Selena series came out, I think like half a year ago. um, Well, part two came out just a couple months ago back probably been like five six well probably like four or three months because sure part one came out sometime last year but we are recording this in september of 2021 just in case anybody's listening to this a couple months later or something yeah also just to shed a little bit of light of literally how much time i have put into this it's almost gotten to the point that when i was doing the notes it was Dude, hard you've to f- been talking about this for a long time. Yeah, it was hard to fo- yeah. it was hard to focus on doing the notes because I was like, I know this. I've known this story since I was introduced to Selena, so I'm pretty excited. Did you write an intro like I usually do? You know, a hook. I was thinking about it when I was writing. There was a part in my notes where I was like, "Ooh, this sounds like a good hook," but I wasn't mm. sure because that's kind of your territory. So, well, what? I mean, like, I feel like it's just a our our thing. So you have it. Um, let me see. Let me look through my notes where I was. I was like, oh, this might be it. This might be the one. It's not just a me thing. You can do it, too. I just like your voice for the intro. You want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) On March 31st, 1995, Selena met with her fan club president and considered close family friend for a period of time in private to retrieve fan club records. Yolanda Saldivar had already been confronted before and accused of mishandling the fan club money. It was on this day that an argument ensued and a fatal shot took the life of the Tejano Queen. With that said, roll the theme music. back we're talking about selena quintanilla perez formerly known as the queen of tejano music have you ever listened to any of her music mike sure of course mm-hmm. or seen the movie the 1997 oh, movie biopic yeah. all right so yeah, j-lo yeah so fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about that in the Oh, for all of you who don't know, this is going to be a two-parter because there is so much about Selena. It's overwhelming. (laughs) All right. So we're just going to kick it off. Born April 16th, 1971 in Lake Jackson, Texas. Selena was the youngest out of two other siblings, A.B. being the oldest and Suzette being the middle child. Father Abram Quintanilla and Mother Marcella Quintanilla. Um, just a little background on the father. Uh, he used to, Los Ditos was actually Abram's band, um, which I believe when I looked it up was formed from 1957 to 1971 when Selena was born. Mm. And then 
he kicked up the band, which a lot of you guys will talk about this later, but if you have seen the movie or the new Netflix Selena series, they have always had segments showing Abram in his early age of his failed success with his own band because the biggest shtick about it was he did doo-wop in the 50s and that was a very hard gig to have as a Mexican-American especially in those times as you can imagine so fast forward into 1981 the Los Dinos formed again with Abram restarting it off with his kids Uh, Selena was around 10 when they formed this with her obviously on vocals and AP on bass guitar and Suzette on drums. The band was first show first showcased. I've read a lot. There was like, it was kind of hard because some articles said that they were first showcased, just like playing on the side of the road, playing for family events. Um, but most of the articles that I found said the band was first showcased at the family restaurant, Papagayo's which her parents ran while the Los Dinos would perform as entertainment. Uh, this was also portrayed in the 1997 biopic with JLo in it and the recent Netflix series as well. Unfortunately, the restaurant went bankrupt within a year, which was said to be due um, partly to the recession that hit South Texas in 81. From there, the band, they would play anything that they could get family gatherings, weddings, and quinceaneras. This was also during the time that the family had uprooted and moved to Corpus Christi, which is also where Selena is buried and where the family still resides today. It was during this time in Corpus Christi when they were basically playing anything and everything they could get because when Abram opened the restaurant up, he clearly, he left his job. He was very passionate after he had heard his daughter Selena sing at a young age that they could do this. Although the road was hard and there were a lot of times that they got booed off the stage, they continued on. Sorry guys, I'm just kind of trying to give an overlay of how they got started because there's so much in the beginning years of Selena leading up to her murder. That's kind of part of why we're making it a part two where we'll talk about the aftermath of her murder and then also as well as just a lot more deep dive into who Selena was with her family because there's there's so much. I'm not even kidding. Right. So after years of hard work in 1987, at just 15 years old, Selena won the Tejano Music Award for Female Vocalist, which is a major big deal, especially in the 80s. Tejano music was very much considered a man's genre of music and very few women actually were successful. There were there was a very low ratio of women in the Tejano music industry. And um, it's really cool because when I started doing the research for Selena again, I found this podcast that I highly recommend to anybody who's a huge Selena fan or just interested in her as a whole. It's called Anything for Selena. Give Shout me- out Anything for Selena. Which I absolutely love because if you've seen the movie... That's actually something they say in the movie. Have you seen it? Have you seen the movie Selena? We yeah. say okay. So the part where the bumper Anything comes up. Anything for Selena's <laughs> with an S. I've listened to it twice. It's such a good podcast. Okay, so it's called Anything for Selena. It's Maria Garcia, and she does this amazing. I mean, 
absolute amazing series on Selena. She not only covers who Selena is, she not only covers her murder, a deep dive into Londa Salabar. She's actually got updated uh, interviews. She worked so hard. She's actually got an interview with Abram, her father. He does not do very many interviews with people. I believe with the sister and the brother, AB, and then just recently, the other day, I was looking through my podcast that I listened to and I saw that there was a new episode from her, even though she's wrapped this like six months ago, she actually got Chris Perez, Selena's husband, to contact her back. And she just released an interview with Chris Perez. And it is... Oh, that's cool. It's part of what I loved about the podcast is she gave a whole history on Tejano music, which I thought was so cool because it just gave me like a deeper connection and understanding of Selena and her family and just the drive that she had, um, that she had to work so hard to be in that industry. And I also like that she talks about what it meant because a lot of people don't know Selena didn't originally, I think a lot of people do know now, but for some people who don't know, Selena didn't originally speak Spanish. She had to solely learn Spanish to become successful in her career. And I think part of why people are so drawn to Selena is because she is both American and she is both Mexican and she just embraces that so much. She meant so much to so many people and she gives like a deep dive into that of what she meant to American American Mexican girls at that age and the struggles that they went through. It's just an amazing, beautifully like produced podcast. I honestly, I think it's one of my favorite series podcasts that I've ever listened to in a long time. And I source a lot of my stuff from it. So I really want to give her credit because I learned a lot that I couldn't find or read on the internet. So shout out to Maria. Go give her podcast a listen. It's amazing. So getting back into it. 1987, she wins the Tejano Music Award for Female Vocalist. Pushing forward to April 1992, Selena marries her rhythm guitarist, Chris Perez. It was also during this time that she was pursuing her second passion outside of music, which was fashion. She had a lot of boutiques that she had in works before she passed away. She had opened one during this year and she had plans I believe for a second location and she was also working on a factory. I love Selena's style. Absolutely loved it. Actually I was looking on uh, Amazon today to see if I could find any of her old clothing and it's out there but it's it's oh it's expensive some of her pieces are like they run for $2,000 on the internet. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. So I do know um, that I read that I wasn't able to confirm it, but I did read somewhere today that Chris did take over the boutique for a small period of time, which I'm kind of surprised that he was able to, because when we talk more in the second episode about just the Quintanilla legacy and some of the deep dive and how her father was and some of the accusations. I'm really surprised that he was able to do that. Um, Okay, so 1992, she opens up her boutique. And that's the biggest thing, because the saddest part about Selena is 
she was murdered at the height of her career. She really, she really was. She was finally getting her English crossover that she had been working towards. She was opening her boutique. She was traveling. She was going solo. She was wanting to start a family with Chris. There was just all these things going on. Um, another big thing that I want to point out too is in the Selena series, a young Beyonce Knowles actually pops up because as you know, she is from Texas. She actually briefly kind of met Selena when she was at a young age and she really looked up to her. So, I mean, Selena was really, Selena paved the way for a lot of pop artists today, especially like pop artists of, you know, ethnicity and not just, you know, you know, the Caucasian population, you know, it was hard for them during that time. Population. Wow. Why does that sound like some awful like School of Rock song that got nixed for very many reasons? <laughs> All right, so I'm just a bill sitting on Capitol Hill. How did Chris Perez get in the band? So where is he at? So Chris came into the band, if I believe it was around '88. And the way the story goes was it's really hard with some of the stories because Chris actually has a book called To Selena with Love. And her father actually wrote a book. And the family was very big on protecting Selena's image. So many know that the way Chris and Selena got married was they eloped and let's just say there's a lot that Abram is controlling about that he doesn't want out because he's scared it's going to tarnish the view of his daughter it's almost like he doesn't want her to be seen as human so I'm actually really interested I actually have that book in my Amazon cart to buy because I want to read Chris's book and I want to also read the book that Selena's father just came out with a year ago and he co-wrote that with one of the producers from the 1997 biopic with J-Lo, which is kind of interesting oh, wow. because there's a lot that we're going to talk about the movie mm-hmm. that actually didn't happen. Like when they're learning to do the washing machine, there's like a scene oh. where the mom teaches her how to do this dance yeah, where move. they're like by the water. Yeah. And that never happened. Oh. So, um, but Chris came into the mix. As I read, he came in around 88 and the family was at some kind of gathering where Chris was playing in the band and AB was liking what he was, you know, how he was playing and everything and had him come in an audition and that's how he got into the band. Oh, okay. Yes. And we will definitely talk a lot more about her and Chris in the later episode because, like I said, there's so much. So... You tonight. All right. I'll be holding you tonight. <laughs> so let's talk about Yolanda Salivar a little bit and actually start. What up with Salivar? First off, I did not know that she was 34 years old when she shot Selena because in the movie, she seen, she looks so much older. She looks so much older, yeah. Yeah, but in the, the new uh, Netflix series, two-parter on, on it, she looks... To me, she looks 34. I think they did a better casting of her in the newer show, which there's pros and cons to both the movie and to the and the TV series. But I just feel like who they cast in the Netflix series really just portrayed like 
the downhill spiral of obsession that we're going to see that a lot of people missed and we're kind of late to see those red flags with her. Right. So born September 19th, 1960, a former American nurse who was originally a fan of country music. After attending a Selena concert, she began repeatedly calling Abraham, begging to start a fan club in San Antonio. Eventually, the family gave in to her request for a fan club, and the first and only, as big as this one, Selena fan club was started. Um, Salivar, in less than four years in 1993, she grew the fan club base from 1,500 to over 5,000. And unfortunately, it's just so sad, but from the success of the fan club, she was given more responsibility over time. And as Selena opened up her own boutique and became closer with Saldivar, and that's the ent- that's the other interesting thing that I don't have in my notes that I remember, but when I was listening to the podcast, Anything for Selena, I believe she does an interview with Yolanda's mom that is, I think, was still alive at this time, or she's still alive. <clears throat> but she talks about how Selena would go over to Yolanda's family's house and would visit all the time, and it was like she would just... It's like she liked being there because she kind of just got to sit and kind of just act like a normal person outside of the public eye. And then another thing I thought was interesting too was, and this is all speculation or just said from Yolanda's mom, is that she would basically, she almost viewed Yolanda as a second mom, which is really interesting to me because all the betrayal that I've ever seen of Marcella is always been super nurturing super caring um, almost to the point where she tells Abram you know to calm down not be so hard on the kids like it's fun this is something we started so it's just really interesting it's it's just it's gonna get wild that's just all I have to say so the Selena Club was founded in 1991 and Salivar was 30 at the time she's 30 at the time years go by 34 so that's how close that's She had a decent amount of time to get really close with the singer and the family because the crazy part is, in the research that I found during this, is um, she was a bridesmaid in Suzette's wedding. Could you imagine? Oh my God. Having, yeah, having wedding photos of this woman standing in your pictures of your happiest day with your family and your sister that she ends up shooting and killing. Right. Oh my gosh. That was was a big one that I, I didn't know about until I started... Uh, diving in deeper. <clears throat> so on top of being head of Selena's fan club, she was eventually given privileges and responsibility of being the boutique's business manager assistant, I would say, to Selena. And basically she was head of, of checking accounts. She eventually helped make sure that Selena was, you know, making sure people were getting paid. And she, also she was head of the fan club. Um, this is the one part that really creeps me out that I found out about because like, yeah, I have people I'm super, super close with. And yeah, I do have people who do like I'm close with that have the key to my key to my house. But I know that they like, I don't know, maybe it's because I just know too much like about her, but she had a key to Selena and Chris's house, which I don't think they had cameras in their house, like inside their house. Probably I don't, not back then. And I don't think they had cameras outside their house. Like, but just when we start deep diving and playing some of the audio of like the interviews with her, it just it just gives me chills to think 
that she had a key to their house. Mm. And I'm surprised. Oh, I don't know. I've just been around some pretty toxic people in my life that have had this kind of similar behavior. And I'm just surprised that once we get to the tip of the height of the everything that unfolds later, that she didn't try to maybe like kill her sooner out of anger. So, 1994 was when the fallout truly began, and it was officially on March 9th of 95. So, basically in 94, this is when, I don't know how late in 94 it was. I tried to search for, like, a specific date for when they really started to speculate, but I'm going to say probably, like, like the last six months or maybe just here and there throughout the entire year of 94 they started getting like phone calls that fans weren't getting like their pictures of selena they weren't getting their boxes whatever whatever so basically back then like today's patreon whatever they were paying into that they were supposed to receive from the fan club they weren't receiving um i also read that many employees during this time also believed um and speculated that she had been stealing money from the San Antonio boutique. So it was on March 9th of 95 when Selena, her father, and her sister Suzette finally confronted Salivar, which, if there's any part of the story that a lot of people know, if they do know the story, is obviously it was, I don't know what you're talking about. I should have been more careful. It just seemed like there was always an excuse. There was always an excuse with Alanda. It was always somebody else's fault as to why things weren't getting done. Former co-worker uh, Martin Gomez, who shared an office with her, Um, He was one of the fashion designers that partnered with Selena. And he said that a lot of the times when he would leave to go out of town for business, he would come back and the thing, like the outfits that he had been working on, just weird things like the seams would be like ripped off. And um, he said that he always saw Yolanda would always try to take credit for other people's work. She would just stir a whole bunch of stuff in the office whatever she could do like she really was a true narcissist she would do anything she could do to make sure she was going to stay close to selena so much that it was creepy that they said that after she was murdered that when they went into her house her house was almost like a living shrine to selena boy that's weird and it's when we start listening to some of the audio of like the interviews, like I was listening to one interview of her. Um, I'm pretty sure I heard it first from the podcast. And then I went up and looked up the actual like interview on YouTube and she's literally sitting there and she's like, I know when I get to heaven one day, Selena will forgive me. She knows I didn't do this. Like she like, well, who did it then? Like it's yeah, it's crazy. Like in her head, she's like, I didn't do it. All right. March 31st, 1995. This is the day that shook the world. So we're going to do a little bit of a lead up to that day because there was some sketchy stuff going down. So before we get to her actual shooting, it's really important to note that two weeks before her murder, Selena had actually seen the gun. It said that she had saw the gun that would take her life. Uh, March 15th was the day that she it was her first attempt i believe to meet up with yolanda to recover missing financial records and it was made clear that she was still holding out on missing documents because this is not the first time that she caved to go meet up with yolanda um she showed the gun to selena 
Um, she kept it in her purse. I guess she just flashed her purse to Selena and Selena. And there's video out there on YouTube that people are like pointing out like that's Yolanda showing the gun. So I don't know if that's paparazzi who caught that or what. But per Perez, her her husband, Chris, in his book to Selena with love, he said that Selena told Yolanda that she needed to return the gun. And at the time, she seemed unshook. And it's speculated that she did return the gun, but then on March 26th, so this is a couple days before everything goes down, she repurchased the gun. So the gun was actually purchased on March 11th. So just to kind of backtrack a lot, back a little bit, the gun was purchased on March 11th. She registered and did a background check to purchase a 38 caliber, which is a small gun, if anybody knows. And then she was able to pick it up on March 13th. A couple days after that, March 15th, she gets Selena to agree to meet up with her. Um, from the video I saw in a pretty open place to recover missing financial records. Sorry, guys, I got to take a drink of water. So was this like premeditated? Like she like planned on killing <clears throat> her all these times? So I guess I, guess I get... <sighs> Sorry, guys. I'm so nervous to do this story. So it Going back to March 9th, when the family, her father and her sister confronted her about the records, it was, I believe, but I believe it was two weeks after that, that she was officially let go. Because I know it was before her big performance at the Astrodome, because that was the last, that was her biggest performance that she ever gave was at the Astrodome. It was like over 60,000 people, I believe that were in attendance. And Yolanda was not president. She wasn't president. She wasn't present for that concert. She had been let go. And one thing that I forgot to fact check, hate that I got sick on the week that I was finally gonna do the story. Um, I have to fact check it, but there was one thing I noticed in the Selena series that I really wanted to fact check um, was they show Yolanda calling a lot after she's let go, just like begging Selena, like, please, please, please. Oh, the new salon's going to be opened up. I can have it opened up in a week. And I never got to fact check that. I went, That was one of the things I wanted to see if it was true. But honestly, it's really not that far from to believe if it is because she she gets pretty out there so but a lot of documentaries that i watched was basically when she was let go she just started spiraling out of control it was like she couldn't handle being away from selena it's like selena was her whole identity it's hard because there's a lot of extra stuff that I found out about the case but it kind of doesn't make sense to sandwich it in on the day of the murder because it's all stuff that unraveled in the drama of when she finally went to court. Because there's this whole debacle that she claims in court that Abram threatened her, all this stuff. Um, there's all these accusations. There's a, there's a group of people out there who believe that her father killed her. Like There's all these deep dive things that we're going to get into part two because it's crazy. There was another one that I learned, um, side note, was there was a rumor or speculation that she was having an affair with a doctor that she was working on a side project with. There's like all these crazy like theories that I had never heard of until I started like finding this podcast and deep diving into research on her. I thought it was just a closed book on, you know, it's Yolanda. I still believe it's Yolanda, um, which I have my reasons in part two why I don't think it's the dad. Yes, he can be a little bit controlling and he did have some anger issues, but there's just so much other evidence there supporting that it wouldn't be him. All right, so 
Second attempt to recover the financial documents was March 30th. Selena went with Chris accompanying her and she went to the Days Inn where Yolanda had been staying, which is also where eventually she lost her life. And as far as I read, she made it home. She spent time with Chris, spent time visiting uh, with her father-in-law and that was it. No problems, just a quick in and out, try to get the documentation. That's all I could find on that. So on the morning of March 31st, And this is where it gets really, really interesting. So on the morning of her death, she receives a more alarming phone call early in the morning. That's a little more unusual than she's received before from Yolanda. And Yolanda's in a panic. She's basically saying she's in trouble. She needs help. And Selena being the good person that she was, she went to go help Yolanda. She went and picked her up. And when she picked Yolanda... She lied and said that she had been raped, right? Yeah. Yep. She lied and said she had been raped while in, I think it's Monterey. Okay, but here's the thing. Okay, hold on. Okay, if she's really saying Monterey, Mexico. Okay, so on the map, it's showing Monterey and Mexico to Corpus Christi. Christi. Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. I have lift now. Corpus Christi. Okay, but here's my thing about this. If that's really where her story is sticking with, it's showing that's a five-hour drive. So you're telling me you got raped five hours away from Corpus Christi the night before, and then you're calling Selena, you're calling her early in the morning because you're hurt and you're scared and you need her help. That's my thing. If you were truly raped and now you're changing your story and you're saying that you're ble- that you you bled after the assault, you probably wouldn't get into a car and drive five hours back. So yeah. the likely chance that she was actually in Monterey and be like, that's my thing. Like it just it just doesn't add up. Like I really do think like like I really advise people just look up any like documentary like on her and it's just it's crazy the shit that comes out of her mouth. So at this point, Selena is frustrated. She's hurt enough. I I would imagine she's annoyed. I would be annoyed because, you know, she keeps giving in and she keeps going and meeting this, this woman that she's let into her life and attempts to just you know, retrieve these records because, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of legal battle and stuff. I mean, it's a business and if people aren't getting paid, there was probably a lot on her plate that she had to deal with to clean up this mess that Yolanda had left. So at this point, she returns back to the Days Inn where she was staying with Selena and she goes back in her room and hopes to retrieve these records and go home. And it was at this point that around 11.48, shots were fired. So Selena, I feel I've been off my meds for five days and I feel like my brain is just like all fucking over the place. You going manic? Oh, you have no idea. Josh Josh also says that I'm... um, Are you just out of them or what? I can't take them with the NyQuil because it's also a sleep aid and you can't take a sleep aid with NyQuil. Oh. So I wasn't able to take my meds for five days for the people out there who want to know I have psychomia, which is a form of bipolar. Um, <clears throat> but Josh says I've been also a lot more irritable <laughs> since I've been off them. Hey guys, my co-host is a crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I know you do. Also, we support depression and all that. So yeah, we do. Don't... I was <laughs> remember when we went to go see it, and you were crying, and then <laughs> you were crying while we were watching it. You were uh... having like a really bad episode. 
Okay. We, were, we went to go see it part two or something, and she was sitting there bawling her eyes out while some kids are getting their fucking heads eaten. Okay, so <laughs> backstory. I hadn't fully been diagnosed at this point. I was misdiagnosed as type two bipolar and I was having a very hard year. Let's just leave it at that. And I went through a very bad breakup and it was a very, very rough year. My grandpa also died during that year. And one of our things was we watched horror movies together. It's also mm-hmm. important to note that I was on a very high dose of lithium, lithium right? yeah. which is something that I should have never been on because mm-hmm. lithium, I found out, I don't know why my the doctor ever put me on this. It's why it's so important to find a doctor that works for you. And I'm very grateful that I found a doctor now that works for me and has me on the right stuff. But I was like on, what was it? I was on 500 milligrams of lithium, which is like freaking insane. Like it's a mood stabilizer and it really fucks with your mind because it's really for really manic people, like people like way more severe problems. I'm psychomia, which is basically on the borderline of bipolar, but it's also not considered bipolar disorder. It's high functioning. Anyway, mm-hmm. fun fact, grandpa passed away. Me and Mike go out for drinks. Probably shouldn't have been drinking at this time with the high Make dose a of couple of uh glasses no 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 no. you you look like a little bitch compared to me because i was like i'm gonna get the fishbowl even though i'm probably not supposed to be drinking on this much medication i they brought out this huge oh that's when we went to salsas not yeah hacienda. we went to hacienda and broke the um margarita glasses oh that. <laughs> no but yeah we were at salsas we were sitting upstairs mm-hmm and I got that huge, gigantic, like yeah, the, you got that giant the st- one. Yeah, it's like a tub. They brought you a tub. Full of- <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of margarita. I was like, Damn, that's huge. Yeah, a huge bitch. <laughs> so anyway, we had a lot to drink at salsa. She drank it all, by the way, folks. Yeah, I did. I did. It was fucking lit. Jory <laughs> was, was drinking her emotions in liquor. Which is uh-huh. not good because when I'm in my feels, alcohol just escalates everything else that I'm feeling. And I was definitely having a mixed episode that night because we go see it part two. It's literally at the end of the movie where all the shit's going down. And I literally just I'm like, I'm weeping. I'm going to use the word weeping. I'm literally <laughs> having an emotional breakdown mm-hmm. in the most violent part of it part two. Yeah. Oh, good times, right? It's like it's like the scene where they're under the fucking the bleachers and that kid's about to get his head ripped off. Oh, <laughs> I look God. over at you and your eyes are tearing up. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. It was awful. Rip grandpa. All right. Well, anyway, that was a I don't even we must have a very interesting mix of audience listening to us as we just told that story and now I'm going to go back into Selena's story so anyway so give a little bit more detail you know because I'm just freaking all over the place today so they get back to the they go back into the motel yeah they go back in the motel room irritated because they just got back from the hospital and she see you know a lot of people I'm very surprised basically found out that Yolanda lied to her about the rape thing yeah and I think at this point Selena's just frustrated because Things aren't matching up. She's constantly getting harassed 
by her phone calls. Like as far as I gathered from anything that I, um, information I took and any of the psychologists that like ever spoke to this woman, she was just a downward snowball after she got let go. So, um, they began arguing, um, I guess motel guests had complained at one point of the loud noises coming from the room. From what people, little people said that they heard, they just said that they were arguing about business matters. Obviously, Selena was like, I can't trust you anymore. I'm going to leave. Like, this is insane. And, you know, at right. that point, she's, yeah. I would assume that, I mean, if I was a crazy person that was like hiding documents, I would probably think part of like, why Yolanda also was spiraling out of control. Not only was she losing the person that she was like massively obsessed with, but she's probably like, Oh fuck. A huge legal battle is probably going to come my way because there she had, Who a, knows if she's even thinking about that though. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like she's in such a weird state. She's probably thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to lose Selena or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm still shook by the part that she was in Suzette's wedding. That was the thing right? that really yeah. shook me the most that I found out from the Selena series and then also found out was true. Because that just means that she, at one point, she even had Abram and she even had the other people, like, you know, feeling close to her. So um, at this point, Selena's demanding that she needs to return the financial papers and uh, dump Salivar's satchel containing bank statements onto the bed and saw the gun. I really want to fact check how they proved this because obviously she gets shot and she runs to the lobby and she ends up she's basically brain dead in the lobby once she gets to the lobby because where they shot her which was in the shoulder so i just want to know how they confirmed at that point how they know for a fact that she like dumped her satchel i mean i would assume i mean that's what people do when you're at that point where you're upset so all right at 11:48, like we said before saldivar pointed it at selena as Selena tried to uh, flee, Salvar shot her once on the lower right shoulder, puncturing an artery and causing a massive loss of blood. Uh, so basically, they shot her like right in that, like I think it's like right in that soft part and that hard part of your shoulder. Like they, yeah. she went right through. She severed it. Right and, where that deep shoulder pain is. Well, and a lot of people we talked about last week. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know this. Um, until I started doing research as well. I didn't know that their religion was they were Jehovah's Witnesses. So Oh, really? Yeah. So if any Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, so if any family member would have been present when like all this happened, like would have been in the ambulance with uh so this is where a lot of people were like, Oh, Selena's dad part of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is like, Oh, her dad killed her because even if they could have saved her, they wouldn't have saved her because they don't believe in blood transfusions. They don't believe in any of that. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they were against blood transfusions. Which I don't know how that works with Jehovah's Witnesses because I'm pretty sure it's standard protocol that when you get transported by any kind of like ambulance, if you need a blood transfusion, they automatically... Because they can do that in the ambulance. They can start giving yeah. a blood transfusion. Um, but I was reading today that with how the wound punctured her and by how much blood loss I actually was in the TikTok video she was losing so much blood and it was it's a far it was a pretty far distance to run after you've been shot like she had to weave around the parking lot and around the corner um because by the time she got there she collapsed but from a lot of the medical research that I saw she was brain dead 
by the time she got there. Like, even if they would have been able to save her, she wasn't going to be Selena anymore. She It's a shame. Well, and here's the thing. I feel like this is a detail that I never thought about until it was mentioned to me. What was Yolanda before she became the fan club president? She was a nurse. Oh, wow. You think she did that on she purpose? Was, yeah, I totally think it was premeditated. She got let go. She realized that well, she I mean, got I caught. Think that she, I think that, well, uh, I think her brother said that he believes that there were four attempts to end her life. Uh, I could not find anything on that. So if you just found something, you need to share that because I saw and see and that. That's why I was trying to see if there was anything if she had tried to kill Selena beforehand. I know Yolanda threatened a lot to take her own life, but I also think that was a lot of toxic false attempts just to get close to Selena again. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I know she was banned off the property. Um, see, and that's why it just drives me crazy also that there are people out there who speculate that Abram... There's some people who actually think that Abram was working with Yolanda to kill Selena to make money off off of her but here's the thing that doesn't make sense about that even if her own father wanted to kill his own daughter for those reasons don't you think he would have waited until after her crossover album would have been released because she was just at the height of her career she was going to make even more money after this and the other thing is like they were always like oh he's so controlling Selena ended up moving into her own house off her family's property like she was still her own person yeah I mean Abram does have a lot of controlling tendencies but I just think that's part of his personalities and he's just set in his ways but if you really watch any interview with Suzette or AB also they're super close and not to mention Marcella if Marcella ever found out that Abram killed his daughter their daughter I think she would have lost her shit because literally anything I've ever seen off of Marcella, she's super nice. Now I will say there is a lot of debacle with Chris Perez and the Quintanilla family because I do know that he wanted to release his own series based off Selena and the Quintanilla family basically rejected him because they're basically scared that they're gonna that he's gonna show a more human side of Selena and that might not fit their their morals or how they want Selena. So they are very controlling of how Selena is to be viewed. And at this point, I say let Curtis Perez make his own show with Selena because at this point, Selena's legacy has grown so much that people love her so much. I think showing a more human side of her and that she did make mistakes and she was young, it's just going to make more people love her because she, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox so you could read your information. Sorry, uh, no, I, I, was lis- I was listening to you. I was just kind of reading ahead at the uh, terrible thing that Howard Stern ended up doing. Oh, Sorry. yeah. I'm a Howard Stern fan. I was kind of reading fan. ahead there, so that, that was really disgusting. I can't believe he actually did that. But um, We'll have to play that audio clip when we talk about the pop culture because I definitely want to talk in part two about her, her funeral because... Um, it's been compared that her funeral was so widely popular it was compared to like JFK 
John Lennon. Um, I do believe it was televised. I have to double check that, but I'm pretty positive her funeral was televised. And so many people showed up at one point that they were accusing the Quintanilla family that her body wasn't actually there. And there's a little yeah, bit of a parent. And they had to open the casket. They, had, later, they right? finally yeah. went and opened the casket. Um, yeah. And for you on the paranormal side, I actually recently found a video where it's believed that Selena uh, spirit was there with Chris because there's a video where it looks like it's so crazy because he's standing there at the casket. He's bent over. His head is down. And all of a sudden, like they have a big circle and it looks like something touches his shoulder and he kind of acknowledges for a second. And then his hand goes over to his left shoulder as if like Selena's hands there. It's really oh, weird. Wow. It's really weird. It's interesting. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So what I found was, uh, who's Junior? They're referring to Junior. Is that the father? Or is that no? AB? That's AB. Okay. Well, they're basically technically juniors because, well, now obviously Abram is senior, but AB is junior, so he's third line. Okay. Um, so the day after Saldivar was banned from contacting Selena, AB drove to Q Productions and chased her from the premises and told her she was no longer welcome there. The same day Selena and Saldivar argued by telephone, Selena hung up and told her husband she could no longer trust Saldivar. The singer and Perez were unsatisfied with Saldivar's explanation of items being unaccounted for. According to AB, there were four attempts to murder Selena. Selena removed Saldivar's name from the boutique bank account on March 10, 1995, and was replaced as fan club president by Irene Herrera. See, and this is where it gets interesting day, because you can see how she spins out of control because it's like she lost the trust so quick. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Like, you're done. Right. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. The next day, Sal Devar purchased a gun at a place to shoot. It's a gun shop and shooting range in San Antonio. And that was on March 11th. She bought a snub-nosed 38 caliber revolver with hollow point bullets, um, which uh, are badass. So she... Salvar told the clerk that she needed protection in her job as an in-home nurse because patients' relatives had threatened her. Fly number one? Well, I mean, she's lied a lot. <laughs> well, no, it's just, it's interesting because she had just got her, like, license registration. So I don't think she was practicing. We'll have to look that up. I don't think she was practicing as a nurse for long before she finally got a hold of the Quintanilla family and became um, fan club president. So it's just interesting where she's like, oh, I need protection and blah, blah, blah. Also, not to mention, I know it was the, the 90s, but aren't there some kind of laws that you can't have a firearm? Like, even on the... Like, I'm a postal worker, and I can't even have a gun, even if I'm licensed. I can't ha even have a gun in my car in the parking lot. Oh. You can't have any kind of firearm on the property near the property. Like, it's a big... Because of, you know going postal so i just i'm curious right. i mean i know gun laws were a lot different than they are now but i just i feel mm -hmm. like if you're a nurse like why do you why do you need a gun like most hospitals right, have right. most hospitals have armed security mm -hmm. working well, she, was on, in, she said she was an in-home nurse oh so we're saying we're an in-home nurse okay yeah. so yeah we're just really okay continue 
On March 14th, Saldivar contacted her to schedule a meeting uh, when Selena arrived back in Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. <laughs> Selena was in Miami, Florida, uh, and then came back to Corpus Christi on March 14th. Saldivar told Selena there was too much traffic and asked her to meet her at a parking lot 25 minutes away from Corpus Christi. Upon arriving, Selena told Saldivar she could remain in charge of her business affairs in Mexico, which very well could have saved her life that day, is what I'm thinking, because I'm thinking she wanted to meet Selena in that parking lot to fucking blow her brains out or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when she was told the good news, and we mean that, that with the utmost charge of something. Yeah. This is when yeah. this is when uh, Chris says that he accompanied, like, came with her, right? Um. What date was it? On the fourteenth. So fourteenth, fifteenth. I think it said the fifteenth was the day in my notes that she. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it was the fifteenth. But, I mean, I mean. Honestly, if you really listen to the fan base, like there are a lot of people. Like I so it's interesting because Yolanda Salivar is up for parole or basically to get released in 2025. And I don't even know. Like I would just stay in jail if I was her, to be honest. Like that's gonna make big headline news when she's I which is so weird. Because she's like, she's like right up there to, next to Umbridge, like in Harry Potter, like the hatred of somebody is like, I would compare that to Umbridge and Harry Potter. And I would imagine that she would have to go into witness protection when she gets out or something. I mean, well, and the crazy thing is, look this up. She's made multiple appeals since the murder to be released or to reopen the case to like justify that she's innocent. Um, it's also been um, somewhere I read in an article, but I don't think the article was correct because I thought I heard it differently through that Anything for Selena podcast. But at some point, it's brought up in the court case where basically Yolanda is being... This is the most off-the-wall shit one that I heard. But basically, it was brought up at one point that Selena and Yolanda were having a lesbian affair. And I'm like... Oh, no way. Selena's not having a lesbian affair no, with her. If she was, it wouldn't be with Yolanda. I can tell you that right now. Like, no, I don't think at any point anywhere was there any kind of sexual relationship. Like, if anything, I believe more that she looked at her like a mother. But no way would, like, no, there's no way. That one, like, the affair with the doctor would be more believable. And I don't even believe yeah. that one. Right. Um, and that doctor has come out and said before that there was nothing going on there. Right, right. Okay, so on March 14th, it says that Saldivar showed Selena the gun that she had bought, and Selena told her to get rid of it. And that Selena would protect Saldivar from her father, and, uh, oh, and that she would protect Saldivar from her father, according to Saldivar and Perez. This calmed Saldivar and was the reason she did not kill Selena in the parking lot, he believes. The next day, Saldivar returned to the gun shop. See, and that's the other thing. I'm going to protect you from your father, so I'm going to try and shoot you. Because I think it was also... I think she had some bullshit story at one point, too. Where, basically, it, um, she accuses 
um, Abram of threatening her, hurting her, something like that, and then basically this huge speculation that Abram was hungry for Selena's money. And here's my thing with that. I feel like if we're going to go down this rabbit hole, then we need to compare Abram Quintanilla to Joe Jackson, because if I have to pick the two fathers that was absolutely batshit fucking crazy for using their kids as like the breadwinners, I'm going to say Joe Jackson takes the cake. Joe Jackson. I heard that Joe Jackson like gave Michael Jackson estrogen and stuff like that. So he would retain his, his voice. And he wouldn't go through puberty as fast and stuff. Yeah. It's really bizarre Like, stuff. Joe Jackson did not give a shit. Like, Joe Jackson no. and I can't remember Michael Jackson's mom's name. They're not even together. They're not married. Like No. They're also Jeho- Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. There's a lot of people in Hollywood that are Jehovah's Witnesses. And I don't mean any disrespect to Jehovah's Witnesses. I have family that's Jehovah's Witnesses. You believe what you want to believe. Um... But I'm just saying, if we really want to, like, I would be up for doing an episode where we just freaking compare the facts of Abram and, like, put him up against Joe Jackson. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we put those two two together, I'm sorry, Abram might be a hard-headed man and he might be come off very stern and he has been portrayed as a stern guy. But at the same time, he was also an executive, like, producer on the 1997 biopic so he saw on screen how they were portraying him don't you think if you were a possessive person normally a possessive person like that they will do anything to prove to people that they're the opposite of that that's their whole shtick he's at some he's kind of owning up for it also do you know how much they charge to go into the selena museum Mm -mm. five five dollars it's five dollars. Like, oh, that's it. Oh. If, if so, if you're really that money hungry, why are you only charging five dollars? Like, I'm sorry, Abram was a businessman, and I do believe Marcelo really was like the checks and balances with him. And I'm sorry, you don't have two other kids who are alive that are successful and happy, and none of them. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's something out there that's going to floor me one day. But as far as I know, my personal opinion, the evidence that I've seen, I'm sorry. Abram did not kill his daughter. Right. Um, oh, and then so on March 26th, Saldivar stole a, perfu- a perfume sample and more bank statements from Selena in Mexico. Okay, why a perfume? I don't know. Like, well, why does she do a lot of things? She's kind of out of her mind. Um, Saldivar accompanied Selena on a trip to Tennessee while the singer was finishing recording a song for her crossover album. Selena told Saldivar... I think that was when she was in Tennessee. Statements. Yeah, some, some bank statements were missing and asked her to return them as soon as they returned to Texas. Saldivar repurchased the gun on March 27th and asked, asked Selena to meet her alone at a motel room. This was the second attempt to kill Selena. News of Selena's arrival spread, and she was soon mobbed by fans. AB believes her fans saved her that day. There were too many witnesses, according to him. And then, of course, the trip to Monterey, Mexico, and she says that she was raped and all that stuff. Um, And then that leads up to March 30th. And that would be, I think... 
I think March, so March 15th, she went by herself, but March 30th was when Chris says supposedly he went with her. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the night before. And I do believe when Yolanda calls the next day on the day that she dies, I believe Selena didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell anybody where she was going. She just went and got her, took her to the hospital. What's going on? You know, I, I really think Selena was like, I'm going to take care of this myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she didn't take anybody. I really do believe Selena. I really do believe Selena cared about Yolanda. I think because I remember the one thing that I remember watching the biopic that I think that they really nailed about her. Because if you watch any interview on Selena, she she really did. She cared about education. She was very big on being true to herself. She was a big advocate on supporting a whole bunch of stuff. And she was just a very bubbly person. So I remember when I watched, you know, the biopic, it was probably like a, like the next following year because it was like on TNT on TV or something like that. So it had already been out of theaters. And my mom showed me the movie. And I remember <laughs> this is probably a sign that I was way too much of an emotionally intuitive kid because I remember my mom was like, okay, the movie's over. Go get in the shower. And I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm like, how could this woman <laughs> kill her? Like dreaming of you was like playing on the TV and all the candles are lit and I'm just in the shower bawling out because I just went on this journey with this Tejano scener that just seemed to have like the biggest heart ever and now she's dead Um, but she just she really did she had a really really kind soul you know she was always the first to let children come up on stage and dance with her Um, she was very much about her fans so I really do believe that Selena was naive in that sense you know and I don't know, maybe some of Abram's anger came from the fact that he had seen how cruel the world was and he brought up a daughter that unfortunately didn't want to see that there were bad sides of the world, you know? Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to dive back in to that day. So we already discussed about where she got shot. So Trinidad Espinosa, he was the hotel, 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 motel, holiday inn, um, maintenance guy. And supposedly he reported hearing a loud bang which said sounded like a car engine misfiring, which I would imagine is pretty correct because that type of gun does have a very loud backfire. You know a lot more about guns than I do, wouldn't you say, Mike? It's a small it's a small yeah. gun with a big bang, basically. Yeah. Mr. Saturday night so special. Uh so at this point, obviously shot in the shoulder. That's a that's a lot of blood loss. She started running towards the lobby, leaving a trail of blood of 392 feet long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's gushing. Yeah, so she was seen clutching her chest. Um, She's screaming, help me, help me, I've been shot. This is the other thing that I learned that I didn't know. It's also been reported that Yolanda was chasing her yelling bitch, which is so funny because once again, there are people who want to speculate that her her dad wanted to kill her, but they're like, you just look at the evidence. There were witnesses, right? Like, there were witnesses, and she's barreling down after her as she's leaving this trail blood, yelling bitch. Like, I'm sorry, no. You bought the gun, you thought like a toxic person who's a narcissist, or having some kind of, I don't know what going on. You thought maybe you could rope her back in. Now you're realizing we're too far gone. You went back and 
supposedly repurchased the gun. I don't know how much I believe that she went back and repurchased the gun unless we can find somewhere online like the receipts for that. No, you went, you did the research, you found the gun. You're a nurse who probably knows just enough where to shoot. You were pissed because at this point, people like this already have in their head, I've done all this stuff for her. I managed all her stuff. How could she turn her back on me? Because they're sick in the head. Like, she's seriously sick. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the uh, hotel staff, Salivar seemed calm and went back into her room after chasing Selena. <laughs> That's just bananas to me. Um, according to Carlos Morales, Morales. who had been yeah. waiting outside the motel and had heard screaming and saw Selena running towards him. She grabbed Morales and screamed, they'll shoot me again. Motel staff noticed her clothes were soaked in blood when she approached the lobby. It was around 1149 that Selena collapsed on the floor and the hotel general manager at the time, Barbara Schultz, telephoned the emergency services. Selena screamed at the staff, telling them, lock the door, she'll shoot me again. The singer identified Salazvard as her assistant and gave the number of the room where she had been shot. So she's running off a lot of adrenaline at this point. So Because at this point, when she stops bleeding, like, she's, I mean, shot in your shoulder. That's, yeah. She's definitely, like you said, she's gushing at this point. It's been reported that her last words were Yolanda Room 158. Mm. So the hotel sales manager, Shauna Vela, and... Okay, so I think it's saying... I'm, I'm taking it that there was two. Shauna Vela and hotel sales manager Ruben De, DeLon. Um, De De, DeLon. Obviously, I mean, I would be doing the same thing, too. They're trying to stop the blood at this point, you know, kind of trying to assist. And I believe from where I've read in different articles, too, I don't think in the moment they knew who she was because everything was happening so fast. But I, right. mm-hmm. I would have to fact check that again. I mean, I don't know what Selena was wearing when she got up that morning. I don't know if she had time to put on her signature lipstick. A lot of people know. Um, let's see. Her signature lipstick was Chanel. I'm trying to remember the color because they ended up discontinuing it. And one of the interesting facts that I found about her, her original main go-to lipstick, it wasn't an actual like normal lipstick. It was like actual old school. It came with like a brush and it was almost like a palette that opened up like eyeshadow. Um, oh, wow. I know you can get the one that she wore at the Astrodome at Target, which was something. uh, But you can get that one at Target. I'll have to link some of that in our page. And then um, I know Mac came out with a Selena line because the one that's closest to her lipstick was Mac in something red. But her lipstick was her signature thing. So much that if you go to the museum, they have... They never- you should buy some jewelry. Dress up. <laughs> Dress up like Selena for Halloween. I don't have her pigment of skin to pull that off. And I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, you do. You've been walking around. You're a <laughs> postal worker. Um, so we're going to talk more about that, too. Um, so they're trying to help her gain consciousness back. 
Um, at this point, I don't think that's going to happen. So pretty much she was dead by the time the ambulance came and got her. She was already starting to go yeah. limp. And I mean, at that point, she had already lost so much blood. It's just, it's it's crazy. The biggest thing that just shakes me is the fact that uh, there are people saying that Yolanda just went back to her room. So now we move on to the standoff, which we're going to have some audio that we're going to edit into here because um, it's just insane. So this is also very popular known. It's been showcased. It's been re- redone in documents and stuff like that. But at this point, we get the FBI out there and we're having a huge standoff because Yolanda has locked herself in her truck. Oh, did you know that some people thought that they were lying because the next day was April Fool's Day? No, I did not know that. Yeah. That's a fun fact. I didn't know that they thought they were lying because I that's crazy. Do you imagine? And she was so loved that people were probably like, no, <laughs> you're funny. This is a joke. What? Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Like, like I said, like, this was the height of her career. She had so much going on for her. And she was only 23 when she was shot. Yeah. She was, yep. she was so young. She was very young. Um, <sighs> oh, I was 23 again. Yeah, me too. I'm going to be. I'd do some things over. Like what? What would you do over? I don't know. Probably not getting married. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for a different time, Mike. <laughs> Life facts with Jory and Mike. <laughs> All right. So after the shooting, like I said, uh, Salivar had gotten her pickup truck and I guess was attempting to leave. Motel staff member Rosario Garza. Garza? Yeah. Um, saw. Rosario Garza. Um, she basically. Jory is the best with pronunciation of names. I am not. I am the worst. <laughs> Which is so funny because my name is Jory and people are like, oh, Jory? And I'm like, no, Jory. Oh, Jewry? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, how do you spell you that? You really should be better at it. <laughs> <laughs> I really should be. But I'm not. I'm me. So um, so basically at this point, she's trying to leave. I don't know what she's trying to do. She's trying to get out of there. Um, and a lot of people had speculated that she was going to be on her way to Q, Q Productions, which is the Quintanilla Recording Studio. And they thought her next target was going to be AB. Oh, wow. Which I thought is interesting. It's really interesting to see what they pick to choose and leave out, you know, of like. She's going to try to take out the whole family, huh? Apparently. That's crazy, man. That's nuts. So, um. Did they ever do a psych evaluation on her? Oh, there are so many interviews. We're going to have to pick and choose over, like, the audio recording that we want to showcase in part two because it is... I I think what we should do is we should pick... Because I know... uh, I definitely think we need to get audio from, like, when it first happened, you know, back in the 90s, you know, early, early, early. And I know for a fact that there's more recent audio of, like, interviewing her, but it's... Mm. Dude, it's it's freaking creepy. It get like watching her talk makes my skin crawl because it's just ugh, it's just it's uh it's terrifying. So basically, at this point, she's in her truck. People have drawn attention, and the SWAT team is out there. Also, it's important to note that I think why a lot of people it was speculated that she was going to be on her way to shoot um, AB was because she also had a recording session planned that morning. 
Obviously at this point, officers are emerging naturally in this standoff. They're trying to get her to get Salabar to stand down because she's got a weapon in her hand and she is not complying. So instead she is backed up and I believe she's parked in between two cars and her truck was then blocked by a police cruiser. So at this point, they're just, everybody is surrounding her, which they completely wrote this in the biopic. And I don't really know what her plan was. Like if you see the layout of the motel, it's not like there's like a discreet exit. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like in a hotel, like you could like weave through some hallways and some shit, but in a motel, everything's like facing outside. So, Mm -hmm. So at this point, this is where after she's been surrounded that she's picking up the pistol and she's pointing it at her right temple and she's threatening to commit suicide because I don't know what anybody thinks is going to work in their favor. I guess fear is taking over. So at this point, the SWAT uh, negotiating negotiation unit is brought in and um, they're doing everything in their power to basically devolve whatever's going on. And apparently, um, a guy's name that I cannot pronounce <laughs> said that the situation was very similar to O.J. Simpson's um, threatened suicide 10 months earlier because I believe the O.J. Simpson case was going on the same year that this happened. Right. I also think, yeah. if I if I remember doing some research correctly, I think it also... Um, Selena's case stole a lot of attention from OJ's case because of how big she was. I mean, people were in love with Selena. Okay, so the guys that ended up negotiating with Yolanda was Larry Young and Isaac Valencia. They ran a phone line in their base of operation adjacent to Salivar's pickup truck pickup truck and this is this is where the standoff officially it just starts. We're gonna do this. We gotta get her out of this we gotta somehow get the gun away from her and get her out. Which also, I have another fun fact of a video that I found on TikTok when they finally retrieve her. So I'm gonna assume that everybody in the motel was probably like ordered to stay in their rooms and everybody to stay back. I know I saw a lot of news footage that a lot of people were like coming out of nowhere trying to figure out what's going on. Cause I'm sure at this point it had broke on the radio at least something. I mean, there's this huge standoff going in, going down in Corpus Crispy. Christy. We should just name the episode Corpus Crispy and something. <laughs> I'm so. Sounds scared. like a new cereal. <laughs> I could make so many horrible jokes, but I respect Selena. So. I swear I should have been a comedian at some point because I think of some really stupid jokes, but I would can also get in so much trouble for them. Um, this makes me tired even just reading this. So it took nine and a half hours. Wow. That's a whole fucking work day. Plus overtime. Like nine and a half hours. The standoff went down and they're just trying to talk her down. Um, I just remember watching the movie and thinking how pathetic she's like holding the gun to her head and she's like, I don't want to live. I killed my best friend. Like all this, all this stuff. It's, it's insane. So yeah, nine and a half hours. And the thing that I was going to bring up that was interesting was, so when they finally get her out of the car, I watched this video that somebody had put on TikTok of the actual footage. And I went on YouTube and, you know, looked it up there to make sure that everything was okay. But 
she literally she gets out of the car they're escorting her she's got two three cops around her and she somehow trips while they're escorting her out and like falls to her knees like, girl, what? What is going on? So, I mean, at this point, by the time that they got Saldivar and they finally transported everything, hundreds and thousands of fans have obviously, like, they've already swarmed that are from the surrounding area to be like, what the fuck is going on? Are you are you kidding me? Like, she's, right. she's gone. She's really dead. It was also stated that one of the possible motives for why Selena had gone to the Days Inn was to... I think officially terminate her employment. I mean, I know she had been let go at that point, so I don't know if like this just meant like they're finally gonna pull the triggers. We're gonna get rid of everything about you from the business. Like we're gonna make sure. Like I don't know if that meant like we're gonna pu- push forward that you're gonna be completely. Because I'm pretty sure at one point they had a restraining order after all this went down that she couldn't be anywhere like property i'm pretty sure well they had she had a key to their house so i know they had to change their locks at one point um which is crazy to think um which also another thing i want to fact check because in the tv series because you can't ever believe anything that's being portrayed on screen because obviously it's hollywood and they have to there's some stuff they have to kind of add a little bit of spice to but in the movie, in the biopic, it's portrayed that Selena and Chris live. I really want to read this book that Chris and Selena live like away from the family in Corpus Christi. But then in the movie, I mean, in the, the two part Netflix series, it portrays that they still live in the house that was next door to her parents. So I really want to know where the whereabouts were because that'd be kind of interesting to deep dive too. Like, what house does she have the keys to? You know, I mean, I probably feel if I was Selena, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. I was still living right next door to my parents because they have like this huge. I don't know if they still have that kind of gate up. I feel like they probably have like a nicer privacy fence around their house. But in some of the things I've seen, it's been portrayed that they have like this almost looks like a jail fence like around their house to keep fans out um see here's another thing i want to fact check too that i'm reading right now that'd be interesting director of the talent music association and sponsor of the tejano music awards declared that march 31st 1995 would be known as black friday yeah which is interesting and it's only interesting to me because we actually have like the day after christmas is known as black friday so now it just kind of makes me wonder like where do we i don't think it'd be i don't think it's associated with selena but it's just interesting because it's it's the same same name so in part two we're gonna cover the pre-trial and the trial because it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot like i don't know what what time we're at on this episode here and how much we've just talked on her murder alone but it gets really freaking crazy going into the pre-trial and then just finding out all the other conspiracy theories that were out there that I didn't even know about for years it hmm. it just <laughs> it seems really odd that there are actually conspiracy theories for <gasps> that's what I'm excited to hear them that's what I it thought too pretty cut and dry that you know what Yolanda did it. I mean, that's what I thought too. So then when I was sitting there listening to that podcast and I was like, what lesbian? Like the dad did it. Like, I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, since I was from a young age, I mean, Selena really was like my first introduction to like true crime. I mean, I grew up, 
I don't know, like I grew up watching, you know, unsolved mysteries with my mom and stuff like that, like we've talked about and everything. But I, I don't know, I feel like when I was young, I was just like, oh, these are people that are like super old. Like it wasn't like anything relevant to me at that time. And I was super young, you know? So I was like maybe ages like four to like five. So I mean, at some point, like your brain as kids, like. We, they're so smart they absorb a lot but they also can kind of choose at a point so a lot of the times i was just like coloring and mom was just watching tv mm. and a lot of the memories i have on unsolved mysteries who's the guy in the beginning the the main guy the best guy not the remakes um from unsolved mysteries what's his name what robert stack yeah i just remember yeah. robert stack you know being on a obviously look like a movie set with the dim lit light talking about fog rolling in fog <laughs> fog slowly rolling in basically saying if you know anything more about this this unsolved murder call 1-800 crime stoppers that's really all i remember and i for some reason vividly remember the episode where uh which actor all right all right all right uh, Matthew, McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. I think in his episode he played a stalker. I just. Oh, I didn't know that Matthew McConaughey was in that. Yep. Weird. There's a lot of actors that got their big break in that. We'll have to do like a whole episode on unsolved murders. Um, <laughs> but that's all I really remember. But when I saw the 1997 biopic of Selena, I was like, I was like deeply affected by it. And I don't know if that was just because, you know, how Selena was portrayed or like I remember the next that following year for my birthday I had to have the Selena motion picture soundtrack like I didn't know everything about Selena like I loved it I loved her thought she was the best thing ever she's always been a part of my life but there was something about I, I was obsessed with Yolanda I wanted to know why this person felt the need to shoot her right. so that was really like my big true connection of like I guess I was kind of into that like I, I my brain needed to know why so it's just been really interesting to revisit all of this at almost 30 of you know always being a fan of Selena and really kind of diving deep into her story and who she is like once again I highly recommend everyone listen to anything for Selena um, just the interviews are so well done it's so heartbreaking I'm not gonna lie I cried in some of the episodes because just the narrator and the producer just really pulls you in and it's so good to the point that she got the rights she fought for the rights for some of Selena's music. So she's got like, she's telling the story and she's got sounds moving to help paint the picture of the different settings. And it's, yeah. it's so well done. So try not to end on a morbid tone, but um, it's, it's, I was kind of thinking we can end on the 911 call. <laughs> yeah. Let's play that. So we can kind of paint the picture of the standoff and, part two in the legal battle that we're about to go into if Alanda's, you know, what bullshit she's going to come out with if she should go to jail or not. Where, what is your location? Uh, David Motel, it's 901 Navigation Boulevard. What's on you? We have a woman ran in the lobby, said she's been shot, she's laying on the floor and there's blood. Okay, what room number? Okay. Where are you? Uh, what room? How old is she? She looks about 20. Yes, ma'am. She just passed out. Okay. I don't know. I already have to call in. Am I 
Thank you everybody for listening to part one of our selena uh episodes and um we're gonna get this edited together throw it up and record part two and get that out for you as soon as possible and um you can find us on instagram and facebook and twitter although i would say that we're mostly active on instagram we're always on the gram posting yeah, I've been posting some um, exclusive content. Well, not exclusive, because I also share it on Facebook. But long story short, we're mostly active on Instagram. You can also check out our website, strangeheartland.com. Um, you can submit your stories if you have any stories that you would like to share uh, with us. And um, you can also check out the merch. You can support the podcast that way. We're thinking about maybe launching a Patreon pretty soon with some exclusive features like the fact-checking that uh, Jory has brought up multiple times and some other things that she also came up with, which were some pretty cool ideas that we might take advantage of here pretty soon. Um, So, yeah. To all of our listeners, thank you for being patient in our journey because we know it has not been smooth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been pretty bumpy, but... uh, you know, we're getting everything back together. And, you know, we'll make it work. So, um, yeah, shoot us an email, strangeheartland at gmail.com, or uh, submit through the website. So, I'm Mike Waterhouse. And I'm Jory Seegers. And stay spooky, folks. 
Good night. Good night.